1: My
0: Colorado swag. Cause when play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when go you know I'm bad Holla, get a with my, Colorado my Colorado Welcome into DMVR Buffs Post Game Presented by Green Mountain Dental Group I'm Henry Chisholm And uh, I'm joined by Ben Gerding Ryan couldn't make it tonight But he'll be back next Saturday uh, When we do this again uh, And we're going to be talking about the uh, Buffs basketball game tonight. The, the game that they lost 65-62 at UCLA. Um, disappointing loss, but let's just start off with our biggest takeaways, Ben. Um, what's what's your biggest takeaway from this one?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it starts off with just how cold they were shooting tonight. And and you know, that's kind of to be expected. I think they were due for a a cold shooting night like this. They've they've been shooting lights out really a lot lately. So especially for it to come on the road against a strong UCLA team, um, you know, it's really expected. But I think that bad shooting was also compounded by just some really difficult offensive series, you know, especially in that first half, really getting down in the shot clock a lot, you know, and that's something that you can't do against a tight UCLA team. And also another problem I noticed that they had was really just relying too much around the perimeter with UCLA's perimeter defense. They were not able to work the ball inside, especially when they got into foul trouble in the second half. So, you know, that was a lot of different takeaways. So I guess to summarize <laughs> that into just one big one, the offense was just gritty. It was, it was sloppy at times, you know, turning the ball over a lot and not high percentage looks really just a tough night on that end of the floor.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it was, um, it was just disappointing because it, it was so sloppy. You know, I, I kept thinking about how much different the game could be going with Dallas Walton out there because it did seem that they were just missing a little bit more weight in the post. Like like if they could just made a couple more shots down there and collapse that defense a little bit, then maybe guys on the outside will have had a chance to breathe. But, you know, Evan Batty did his best. He, he had a couple of great looks in the post they knocked down. Um, definitely left some out there as well. Um, but it, I think that, to me, the, the biggest the biggest takeaway is that this team needs all of its pieces. You know, when you have a guy like Dallas Walton missing, it provides some challenges. Um, because you really don't have a whole lot of scorers on this team, um, it, it's kind of just matchup-based where – sometimes in a game like this, you just need somebody big and strong who can shoot over the other team and make them do something different. And today was, in my mind, probably going to be a Dallas Walton day. He couldn't go. And now you're stuck scrambling, looking for something to try offensively, and it it didn't work out.
1: Yeah, you know, you could use him for a size. I think you also really needed him in that second half when when the fouls started to pile up. Yeah. Tristan Da Silva just does not look ready yet. You know, he, he's got a lot of potential, and I think he falls under that same category of, of guys like Luke O'Brien and Neat Clifford, talented guys. They've got a lot, you know, in their bag, if you will, different ways to play the game, but they're still – they just look not ready, not so comfortable out there on the floor. And so in a game like today when, you know, Evan Batty, two quick fouls in the second half, tough fouls uh, in the second half as well, you know. You just really needed the offense you know, to kind of come from somewhere else and then also trying to pick it up on the defense because they ran kind of a smaller lineup out there because it wasn't just Batty, but it was also Jabari Walker in foul trouble. So when Jariah Horn is really your main you know, big man down in the paint, you see what happens. They're going to be able to get more offensive boards. They're going to get real easy looks from the low post. And you know, in a close game, in a game that finished, three-point margin, I mean, that really is the difference so you know it's one of those things where you split the road trip in la and i still think that's a that's a great accomplishment you wanted to come away with just at least one win on this this marathon of a road trip so they were able to do that they've got some stuff to work on but you know trying to be positive of it they've got now a four game stretch at home they really got to take care of business and you know now i think they'll have some time off before their next game on thursday and hope they're able to bounce back in that way because they cannot, you know, continue to compete if if they have offensive performances like tonight.
0: Yeah, it it was a struggle. Uh, You brought up Tristan Da Silva, and I agree. Like, he's not ready yet. He still has a lot of growth to go. But I do think that there are quite a few flashes. You know, even even right when he first got in, I think he he had the ball, like, at the top of the key, and Kin was cutting down the baseline. And I think Kin like, pulled up on his cut. But Tristan just flung the ball in there, and it it didn't work out. It went out and all that because whatever happened, happened. Maybe he missed. Maybe Kevin slowed down. Something happened. But when you see stuff like that out of a big man who's as young as he is, it it, it gets me fired up at least. And there were a couple of other plays where it did look like, you know, uh, as a Nuggets fan, I compared all to Jokic where it's like, okay, there's a the big man at the top of the key. Here he's trying to fling it. And you see some similarities in that way to his game. Um, but, yeah, like it's just not rounded out enough yet. And then there's a lot to be desired on the defensive end as well. And it's, you know, you're in a situation where you're going to need to go to these guys sometimes. And I think that that's probably for the best. Even if it does hurt your chances of winning just a little bit at the same time. Um I was excited by what I saw from him, and and Keyshawn too. I, I think Keyshawn showed some good things too. With uh, you know, the most notable, I think it was first half, um, just bringing the ball up the floor and transition, pulled up and hit that deep too. And that's something we haven't seen from him before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, talking about that pass real quick from the Silva to McKinley Wright. I think that you can chop it up to just you know a lack of chemistry because mckinley writes a guy who's now he's been playing with some of these other guys for you know two three years with batty and parquet so when you've got a young guy out there you might not be able to know and project exactly what's going to happen quite as well i still completely agree i'm not all the way out on him just yet he's a young guy needs to develop talking about Keyshawn Bartholomew too you know he 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 went through a tough little stretch there um you know there was a couple games where his offense was really in question and you know, it it seemed as though he was trying to do too much because he knows what he's capable of. He knows he can go out there and realistically drop 15 or 20 a night because he does have that talent. But it just wasn't falling for him. He wasn't getting the looks that he's, you know, maybe used to. And he was really forcing some shots. tonight. I think was a great example of him playing within himself and just having a, a solid night out there. He, you know, especially though to that point in a night where all of Colorado did not shoot that well. I'd still like to see Keyshawn really get maybe a couple three-pointers to fall, you know, because that's one area where I, I want him to take that shot because he is so good on the offensive end, but he just hasn't shown that ability just quite yet. But, yeah, absolutely, it's clear that him being able to take the ball up the court and have McKinley Wright play off ball is important because two of those times where McKinley Wright was off ball is what led to him driving in for some floaters. One of them turned into an and-one that actually tied up the game. So – that is super important. It's a big aspect that this team has been lacking. And, you know, this team right now, they're 7-3. and three. So you you have this solid record. You just went through a really tough road stretch. You have these building blocks, these things that you can lean on because they weren't favored to win this game. They weren't supposed to win in Arizona. They weren't even supposed to win in U- USC, and they were able to do that. So it's all at this point on these tough road games about trying to pick and choose you know, what can we really build on? And Keyshawn Bartholomew, with him in the lineup, with McKinley Wright playing off ball, is definitely something they should lean on. And I think they should start using a little a little bit earlier in the game because it can help get this offense going.
0: Yeah, I think that's some good stuff. Um, let's see. Where do we want to go? Um, let's start with uh, McKinley Wright because um, I'm curious what your take on his performance tonight was. Um it seemed like there were some highs, there were some lows. You know, he he did have, like, that huge and one that was late that r- really brought things back. That was right after he came back in after sitting out for a stretch. H- how would you grade what he did today?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd give it a B- minus um, because he was still still fairly efficient from the floor. He was able to get some good looks, you know, just reading off the stat sheet, 12-3-3, that's not too bad. A couple areas where he needs to improve, you know, one for four from three, and again, this is an area where he has been improving over the course of the season. But you look to, for example, he's driving down the floor, um, and he just immediately pulls up from three, you know, and that's fine. I'm comfortable with him taking that shot, except he barely grazed the front of the rim. And that's just a situation where, you know, you love that he's got the confidence, but he's still not that type of shooter yet. You would love for him to maybe drive in and kick out to a dry horn or someone like that. You know, and, and on top of that too, I think he just he needs to figure out how he's going to play against some of these more physical defenses. You look at some of his games where he's really struggled, especially this game, you look at Arizona and you look at Tennessee. Those are big, athletic, physical teams and he has struggled in all three of them. So, while obviously he is still one of the best players to ever play for Colorado, you know, we're not degrading any of that, but he just needs to figure out a way to put it together against some of these top-notch defenses. Um, and that goes, but beyond the whole you know player of the year conversation, where he ranks as far as year-end awards. That's just to keep Colorado competitive and to get to that top four spot. Because if they can't take care of UCLA when they come to Boulder later on in the season, it's it's going to be tough if you can't get some of these wins back when you're on your home court. Because even though the location changes, you know UCLA they're still going to play tough defense.
0: Yeah, um, let's take a real quick break. Um, and a reminder if you guys are watching on youtube make sure you like and subscribe and all of that stuff um if you are um watching anywhere then send in your questions because we're going to get to those later on um start sending them in now and we'll have them all saved up by then um i do want to give a quick shout out to Brackenridge brewery though Uh, i'm sure that there are some families out there looking for some safe um fun outdoor activities Um, that they can do right now during the shutdown in Denver. And Breckenridge Brewery has an awesome option. Um, They've set up an ice skating rink outside of the farmhouse down at their campus in Littleton. Um, It's only $3 to skate with your own skates, $6 for skate rental. Um, They have a tubing hill that's free. Uh, There's outdoor dining with food and beer, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Just an awesome setup. So if you're looking for something to do during the shutdown, not a bad option right there and of course if you're interested in checking out any of their beers whether it's the strawberry sky or the colorado core or the avalanche so many great options you can get on the breckenridge brewery website go to the beer locator and it'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whichever one of those beers it is that you want to try um so make sure you support them because they support us here at dmvr uh also um DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with endless ways to make it rain this week. Sports betting has never been this convenient with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet from anywhere the app is available. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DMVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet. From live betting to betting on your favorite players, they do it all. Uh, Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day this week to cash in on their daily odds boost. And those odds boosts are posted every single day for all the biggest sporting events. So make sure you're staying up to date. Uh, DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DMVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, DraftKings, king of the game. That's going to go to Eli Parquet. Um, and the reason was he has been putting up – very good defensive performances um, consistently this season. He has taken a huge step forward, and on top of doing that again tonight, while he was guarding Tiger Campbell for the most part, uh, he also was pretty efficient as a shooter. I think he knocked down four or five shots, um, scored some points on top of everything he did defensively, and that's just uh, an awesome development to see out of him. Um, ben, what do you think of Eli Parquet's night?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can go up and down this roster, and I think you could really pick and choose some players that you you want to identify where they can do more and, and kind of you know where their lapses might have cost the bus tonight. Eli Parquet was not one of those players, like you said, four for five from the floor, career high ten points, um, second on the team, with, or tied for second on the team with with ten points as well, and you know he's just one of those players where you know what to expect from him. But tonight, I think he really did kind of raise his ceiling a little bit because he's shown he can be a little bit more dynamic on the offensive end of the floor, and I think that's huge because he's able to grow in his role, and that's going to build trust with this coaching staff. That's going to build more trust with McKinley Wright, Keyshawn Bartholomew, you know, some of these other guys, as well as some of the bigs, when they kick it out, they know, you know, Eli Parquet, he's shooting at a good clip this year. I wouldn't mind kicking it out to him for an open look. So... He's really doing great things on that end and improving in that way. And then at the same time, his defensive capabilities are still right there. He's still doing a phenomenal job locking down defenders. I love that they put him on Tiger Campbell for an extended period tonight. And Tiger Campbell, you know, fairly limited as far as what he's capable of. So really, he's just doing a solid job. Uh, a clear-cut DraftKings king of the game for this one just because, you know, we're, he's going to be a role player. So how many more times can he earn this award? Maybe not that many. So we've got to give him a shout-out when we can. Yep.
0: Um, he he really was good tonight, and it has just been so nice to see him grow this year because I, I think that he he was kind of a target for some angry Buffs fans, whatever you want to call it, people who were upset with how things went toward the end of last year. and And there was a decent reason because – that two-guard spot was a problem all year. You know, they they tried Eli there. They they tried Dalen Koontz there. Shane Gatling was there for most of the year. And they just couldn't find a way to patch that spot. Eli Parquet has done that this year. and And that is a great, great development for CU, especially this year when, you know, you do have some question marks about where is the scoring going to come from? You know, where's the rebounding going to come from? Um, those sorts of things to just not have to worry about one of the spots on the floor. That is, that is a huge, huge upgrade from last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He is a set it and forget it in that lineup. Um, And and to to compound that now that he's able to, to hit on those open shots, it just really does make you feel more comfortable about it. Because like you said, you know, last season, towards the end of it, you really wanted Parquet on the court because of his defense but you really want a Gatling out there because of the offensive spark he could provide. And you just really didn't have that holistic two guard to put out there. Now that you do, it, it just makes you feel a whole lot better about what your lineup options are going to be going forward.
0: Who else stood out to you today? Who, who, who were the other top performers for CU?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give my shout out again to Evan Batty. He has just been building on a great upward trajectory after that slow start to the season. And I think some of those foul calls today were, you know, questionable. <laughs> you, you had one charging foul that was the classic Evan Batty is big foul. Um, and also to kind of build on that too, um, I forget who it was. I'm, I'm trying to look up. Was it, uh, it was Riley um, who kind of gave Batty an elbow jab when uh, the bus were on the defensive end. Batty kind of hurled over a little bit. Riley got an easy layup. I'd be hard pressed to say Batty gets away with that. You know, if a player that is guarding Batty, Kind of kneels over in pain like he caught an elbow. I don't think Batty gets that benefit of the doubt. So it is kind of disappointing that this was one of those games where, yeah, the fouls caught up to him. He sat a lot longer than I think I would have liked him to sit. I would have probably pulled him in at the 10 minute media mark and he had to wait until the six or five spot. And that was just because the game was so close at that point. You know, three fouls, four fouls, it doesn't matter. You need your best players out there. Um, and same with McKinley Wright, too, for that. I thought that that extended break there in between kind of the 11 to the 6 mark was a little interesting. But, yeah, Evan Batty, he's just doing everything he needs to do. And, you know, maybe this is a conversation for a different day, but Evan Batty, arguably his three best games have now come in the three games where Dallas Walton has been absent. I'm not sure, you know, how that works. I'm not sure if that's just because he gets more opportunities on the offensive end or if he feels more comfortable working as that center role. But that's kind of an interesting dynamic that is going to be significant to see moving forward because Walton should be back, you know, if not next week, then soon, because he is just considered day to day. So that is, that's an interesting thing that I kind of just noticed as I'm talking about it, but kind of curious to see what, what goes on with that.
0: Yeah. Um, again, we're going to get to questions here in a second. So if you have any, throw them in the chat, YouTube or Periscope, wherever. Um, but before we get to those, um, I want to talk a little bit more, not just about the game tonight, but this whole three-game road trip that the Buffs went through. You know, it started out um, with the loss to Arizona, and then you win against USC, and then the loss again tonight against UCLA. Is going one for three in those games good enough? Do you think, yes. Ben? Yeah, I think yeah,
1: so. Yeah, and and it is disappointing. I will say that. Um, and it's interesting. We did have Peter Plummer, you know, comment down here. Couldn't go on three in the road trip. They didn't just take care of business at home, and they're still fine. Completely agree, Peter. I, I think it's uh, it stings a little bit differently just because they were in that Arizona game and they lost it in the second half. And this was just a three point game as well. So, you know, when you sit back in a vacuum and say, "Ooh, you know, just one or two things that go differently," maybe Batty doesn't pick up a foul. Maybe you hold Arizona from that half-court buzzer beater floater action, you know, and maybe it's a totally different week. But in the grand scheme of things, no, this was perfect because in conference play, you need to split your road trips and you need to try and just win everything at home. This was a little bit of a weird week because that Arizona game got pushed back. So technically they didn't really split this road trip. But this was the hardest road trip that they're they're gonna face this season. I mean, it really was a marathon. From here on out, it, it gets a little easier because let's say you go to Oregon, you got a tough game against the Ducks, but it's a little bit easier against the Beavers. You know, for Washington, Washington State's come out sprinting out of the gates. Um, you know, I'm still not all that high on them. Still need to see them play a little bit more. And then the Washington Hus- Huskies, obviously as well, are are not playing very good ball. And Matt Bradley just got injured today for Cal. So there are now with all your road games, you kind of get you know a tough matchup and, and a little bit of an easier one. And that's going to be key moving forward to get those splits. Yes, going one for one and two in, in this road trip is perfectly fine, but it's, it makes it a little bit more challenging because it does put a little bit more stress now in the next four games that you really need to win. You know, all four or maybe go three and one at home just to make sure you're staying relevant and not out of the national perspective's eye. Because national perspective really is important if you don't get that uh, that bid for winning the conference championship.
0: Yep, yeah, that's true. Um, And like you said, that next road trip is Oregon and Oregon State. That Oregon game is going to be tough. But at the same time, though, they went into Oregon and beat the Ducks last year. I don't think that the talent differential between Oregon and Colorado is all that much different this year. So that game seems very much in play. Oregon State, that's that's a road game, a rare road game, where if the Buffs don't win, I'm going to be kind of – nervous about it because that does seem like one that they should be getting
1: yeah you know it it, it's also subjective too because by the time they go to oregon you know they don't travel to oregon until february 18th and and so and and they also don't travel to you know stanford until february 11th this could be a totally different team by then Um, and that's kind of the the beauty and and the you know, I guess the double-edged sword of college basketball is it's so hard to project. It really is game by game. Um, And so with that, you know, you've got Oregon coming in next Thursday, and that's one that you've got to win. And I agree. I don't think the talent discrepancy really is that bad. Um, You beat that Oregon team, a much better Oregon team. They're ranked fourth in the country at home right around this time last year. Huge upset win. They can do it again. Um, They absolutely can do it again. Um, And then they close out this home stretch with Stanford, which is going to be a tough game. You've got Oscar Silver, Zara Williamson. So you kind of are bookended on this home stretch with some tougher games. But, again, 7-3, and you're kind of right in the middle of conference play right now. And you started out conference play harder than any other team in the conference. So at this point, top four seed and a buy in the tournament is still absolutely within grasp. They did what they needed to do. No more, no less. So, you know, take that – as you will. They didn't exceed expectations. They didn't, you know, blow anybody away with disappointment. It was just right where they needed to be, and sometimes mediocre and and on the road in college basketball, that's enough to get you there. All
0: right. Uh, We're going to take one more quick break before we get to questions. Again, if you guys have any questions, leave them in the chat. We'll get to all of them. Um, But first, a shout-out for Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, Strava Craft is incredible coffee. We've had it at the DMVR bar for a while now. Um, I guess we've had the cold brew there. There's probably a difference, but the cold brew is incredible. Um, It really doesn't give you the jitters. It's it's just really good coffee. Plus it's CBD infused. So if you have anxiety or body aches or headaches or anything like that, there's a chance that CBD could fix whatever your problem is for you. Um, Strava Craft Coffee, like I said, it's great coffee, but also there's some awesome deals right now. Uh, If you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off your first order from Strava. Um, If you're a fan of Strava and you want to make that just your normal coffee, well, you can subscribe to any of their products, whether it's the whole beans or the K-Cups or the grounds or whatever, and they'll ship those to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you'll get 20% off of any product you're subscribing to every single time. It's a great deal. So uh, check it out. It's really good coffee. So uh, why not give it a run? All right. Um, before we get into everybody else's questions, I have a question for you, Ben. Um, yeah, absolutely. How does the top of the Pac-12 stack up right now? Well, what's your top five? Or go as far as you have to to get to where the buffs
1: <laughs> are. <laughs> I, I do think Colorado is kind of sitting at four right now. Um, it. It's, so, it's such a fascinating dynamic because we're still not all the way in enough to make some big judgments. You know, you look at a team like Washington State, they're still 8-0 right now. And that's a team that I'm, I'm still not that high on, but at some point you have to start to respect an undefeated record. Um, but they're only 1-0 in conference play. So my personal power rankings outside of conference record, I do kind of still put Oregon at the top. And I'll put Stanford, UCLA at that, those top three. They're pretty interchangeable right now. They all play different kinds of basketball, but they're all still very talented. Does
0: Chris Smith change anything since uh, he's going to be gone from UCLA for the next or for the rest of the season?
1: I, I think it, it definitely changes. How you view their top end talent, but I just I think I need to see more as far as how they really play without him because obviously tonight they didn't have him they didn't have him as much in Utah because he suffered that injury like kind of in the middle and then re-injured it later on it was a really confusing situation so really want to see them go through maybe two four more games before you start to see how that rotation shakes out and then at that four spot I do think Arizona sits, sits there they're eight one right now Arizona's interesting because. They're not going to be playing in the tournament. So how do you yeah. consider them as far as, you know, are they really just kind of a distraction? Are they here this year just to kind of upset other teams? That's pretty much their only thing to play for is just to ruin other people's chances in the tournament. So they're still a strong team. I put Colorado at five and then USC right there at six. I still think Colorado and USC are, are very close talent wise. And USC had a really good game this morning or not this morning, but earlier today against Utah Evan Mobley was 0-for-0 from the floor, but they still won by almost 20 points. So they can win in a lot of different ways. And then under that, I think Arizona State's right there. Arizona State's still so up and down. Um, I'm not giving them the Remy Martin bump that a lot of national people do.
0: Yep. I think that's the right take. Okay, let's jump in with some of these. Um, Let's start with uh, Professor Hare, who says, What do you think hurt more tonight, the loss of Walton, or basically not having Walker all game? Uh, to me, the answer is the loss of Walton. Um, I do think that he was one of the the first places I would look um, for a favorable matchup on the offensive end tonight. And without him, you lose that. Um, and it also factors in that the way that Jabari Walker has been used, who knows what he looks like if he isn't in foul trouble tonight. You know, is is he playing 20 minutes? Is he playing 12 minutes? Uh, who knows? And so I think like that combined with just how important I think Dallas Walton would have been in this game. I think it's Walton pretty easy for me.
1: Yep, I I agree. Walton gets you 10 points. You know, you can pretty much just chalk him up for that. And also I think with Walton out there, the foul distribution is different. So you're going to probably have more minutes from Evan Batty. You're able to tweak that lineup more. You're not going to have De Silva out there um, as much, which, you know, again, De Silva, he did show some promise tonight, but just having your your main rotation out there is going to help you in point differential. And I like what you touched on too with, with Jabari Walker. We don't know what his real game would have looked like with the fouls or without them because they just haven't found out how they want to use them to, or use Jabari just yet. So it's so sporadic as far as his minutes and where he's really impacting the game.
0: All right. Uh, Peter Plummer says, why does De Silva play over Strotting? It seems like Strotting at least has the strength to box out.
1: I think this is a great question. Um, I, I agree. I think DeSilva, he needs to bulk up. For, for his size, for what this team needs from him, he needs to put on more muscle. He's not an impact player in the box. Strotting is he's very interesting because he doesn't really jump off the page as a huge guy like Evan Batty either. But he plays rough. He plays intense, which is exactly what this team really needed tonight. Peter, I love that you brought this up because – In, you know, De Silva played, what, six, seven minutes. If you swap that with Strotting, does it impact the final outcome? I'm not sure. But I think he does give a more of an emotional lift to the team because he's been there for a while. He knows how to play with this team. they are not going to be any mental miscues because of that chemistry. And also, he's not afraid to kind of dive in there with some some other players that outsize him.
0: Yeah, to me, De Silva is – at his best with the ball in his hands. Uh, I think he maybe doesn't make like perfect decisions, but he's a talented enough passer. He can do all of that kind of thing for you, um, as well as knock down the shots. But you don't really need somebody like that right now. And I think that it's very valuable to get the minutes for Tristan da Silva. And if you give him these minutes, then there's a good chance that by the end of the year, he is the better option between him and Alexander Strouding. But, I mean there is a very good case to be made for playing Alexander Strouding right now because he is so big and so physical and he can box out and he really fits into what I think this team's identity needs to be. It's kind of crazy, though, because we just don't know what he looks like at this point. You know, he's played 11 minutes this season, um, three rebounds, two fouls. That seems like it pretty much sums it up to me. Um, But it's been a couple of years, and actually it was before I was even covering the team, that he was maybe not a regular in the rotation, but averaged eight minutes a game and played in most of the games, and shot close to 70% from the field. And so I do think that there is maybe something worth looking into there um, with Alexander Strotting, but... I mean, I feel like with all those guys right there, the young guys with strotting, I mean, it's kind of just a toss up who's going to give you the best chance to win. And I'm not sure we've seen all of the pieces of this rotation figured out quite yet.
1: Yeah, I will say, too, I I wonder at what point De Silva falls into the Neat Clifford and Luke O'Brien experiment, wherein those guys were actually playing in the first half of games, you know, it wasn't just garbage time when they were getting minutes and it was pretty quick that neither of them were ready. You know, Neek seemed to need need to be a little bit more comfortable on the floor and Luke O'Brien who got even less minutes than um, He was just really out there to, to just kind of spot up shoot, which he actually did a decent, decent job at it when he was out there. So I wonder when this coaching staff maybe considers, yeah, you know, De Silva, he's in this boat where he's not quite ready, Still believe in him. He's got talent, but needs more time in the program to develop. And go to a guy like Strouding, who you know exactly what you're going to get. He's not going to rewrite, you know, the books or anything. But I think to maybe, maybe that pass to McKinley Wright is completed because he has that chemistry. Or maybe you know that kickout three to Da Silva. I don't know that Da Silva has made a basket this season. I can't remember right. the time he has. So you know, maybe it's that. That's a kick out to Strotting, and Strotting maybe drives in, draws a foul, is able to kick it out to someone else. Because Strotting is a guy who, you know, I I think if anyone watched the Kansas-Texas game today, they have a fifth-year senior starter. Uh, His last name is uh, Lightfoot, Lightfeet, something like that. And all I remember is he was out there because he wasn't going to shoot, but he was good on defense, and he was just a physical body out there. So having a guy like Strotting who knows his role and isn't really going to try and extend it, I do think that brings some value, and and I'd be interested to see if that changes if injury troubles continue to plague uh, the Buffs in the front court.
0: All right, looks like we've got one more question here from Ben Carey. Did you guys know Tad Boyle has the worst road against the spread record in college basketball since twenty fourteen? <sighs> no, I didn't know. But if I'm being like based on what I've heard during my time covering the Buffs, I I totally believe
1: it. Yeah, I I didn't know the exact stat. I I wouldn't be surprised about it, and and it's so tough because what what are you supposed to do? Let's say if if you're the Colorado admins, you know, I mean Tad Boyle has brought this team and brought this program to such a great spot um, that what are you supposed to do? He's not great on the road against the spread, but I don't think that's nearly enough to to kind of get rid of him. I don't think the the Buffs basketball team is in the position that Texas was where you've got Tom Herman with four bowl wins and then you just cut him loose because you want someone, you know, someone good. So I don't think the program is, is anywhere near that. I, I guess, you know, it, it's kind of a crappy fun fact, but it is what it is. You absolutely would love to see them improve in that area. But, and, and actually to that point too, they showed the graphic on the broadcast. They have been getting better on the road within the conference if they can get this year up from three and six to, you know, even four and five, I do think that's enough to say, you know, he, he is getting better as the program evolves because when he took it over, you know, there were some spots in there since 2014. I mean, they went one and seven back in, I think it was 2016 or 2017. That wasn't a very talented team. So I do think there is some reason for optimism, but yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow, especially on a night like tonight.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, like you said, the, the, program has just kind of consistently gotten better you still are kind of waiting for for the bigger steps to be made but but they are kind of just right there at this point what feels like every year with a chance to make some noise i just i just think it's interesting right through the um winning percentage 471 in 2014 647 559 531 639 656 and they're off to 778 so far this year Like there's some outliers in there, but it is generally a a pretty linear-ish upward trend. Um, And to me, I mean, Tad's done a a pretty good job in my book. And again, I've only been here for like a year, so it's not like I have the most knowledge. But yeah, it, it is something that I think is in mind i would guess that what rick george has in his mind is that he's more curious about just like the road record and not the against the spread record because it's <laughs> about the wins and losses there um but yeah it is interesting also ben Kerry yeah. added that it's a really good against the spread record at home i believe that too
1: yeah, I definitely <laughs> yeah. That. Um, absolutely and like you said too with the win percentage just kind of upward tra- trajectory and he brought in a phenomenal recruiting class this year So. Even after you lose some guys like McKinley Wright and, you know, when Evan Batty and Dallas Walton, when some of these guys move on and and this chapter of Buffs basketball comes to a close, I still think the foundation is set where where that trajectory should continue to rise.
0: Yep. Um, Question from Professor Hare. Do you have an ETA for a Walton return? We don't have an ETA, um, but it does – I mean, it's a lower leg injury – it seemed like people were kind of, edge of the, on the edge of their seats waiting to see if he's going to play tonight. Um, it doesn't seem like something that's a long-term issue.
1: Yeah, he, he should be back within this home stretch. Which game that is, I think is kind of up in the air, but I think the broadcast crew kind of touched on it as well and saying, you already stole one against USC. You might want not want to rush him back. Just give him that extra week to heal up because – you know, although you're at home, Oregon's still a talented team. You you really could use his size there. So you hope they're able to get that back out there because then it'll tighten up the lineup. Um, You know, you think back to that trip to Vegas against Washington, and that lineup was really shooting lights out. Yeah, the competition was worse, but they were playing fantastic, great chemistry. So the sooner that they can get back to that rotation, uh, the sooner the bus really start to get consistently back in the win column.
0: Yeah, and – I did see that Dallas is a game-time decision today, so it shouldn't be too big of a deal going forward. Um, before we get out of here, I have one more question, Ben. Maddox Daniels took uh, two threes at the end of the game. Either one could have tied it up. I don't think we can end this show without addressing it. Um, just your general feeling toward the fact that that happened. Um, where were
1: there better options? Is that just how things
0: lined up and you had to go? like like. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean – from a straight percentage standpoint, I want drive Horn taking that three. The problem is, is Horn does not have that mobility off the ball that Maddox Daniels does. So if their inbound play was honestly to just pass it to drive Horn in the corner and him pop it, I would have been more comfortable with that than Maddox Daniels kind of sliding around the outside of the arc just because Horn's got a good stroke. Um, and then, you know, for Evan Batty grabbing that offensive rebound, I think he was told. If you get the rebound, kick it out um, because he immediately went for the kickout. He didn't even think about putting it back up. If I'm him, I am leaning into that contact as much as I can, trying to draw an M1 because at that point it really doesn't matter whether you get to the line uh, and you miss the shot or not. You, you really just needed those three points desperately because of where the clock was at. Um, and then, to be honest, though, the second Maddox Daniel shot, that I don't care about because at that point the clock is already running down so much Whoever gets their hands on the ball should have shot. That's why I thought Batty should have had it. Um, I just think that last possession as a whole was interesting. I think they should have taken the shot sooner than they did. they chewed a good amount of clock on off-ball movement just trying to set up a shot when in reality again. I think you might be better off just giving it to your team's best shooter, which right now is Jariah Horn, and letting him pull up or just give it to McKinley Wright and let him make a dribble move. But yeah, I, I think the play design was tough. Outside of that, then it was just solid, inst- instinctual basketball of just kicking it out and shooting the three. So it was, I will say, it was pretty pretty ironic. I don't know if ironic is the right word for it, that Maddox's Daniels attempt at a game-tying three is stuck in between the rim and the backboard for a jump ball. That, that could really just sum up his kind of career with the bus to this point.
0: But the crazy thing is, like, despite going two of seven from three tonight, He's shooting over forty percent from three for the season, still. Like because of this hot stretch, I mean, these last couple of games have really helped him out. But there's there's something there. There's something there. And I I mean, the shots didn't go in. You just needed one of those too late, and that's what's going to be remembered. Then I just I I don't know how I feel about it. You like Jariah Horn better because he does like he he knocked down a couple of important threes already in that game. And and somehow I his percentage is even better than that forty and a half percent. But yeah, that's just a tough way to go out. But it was good news that the buffs were right in another road game down to the wire. Um, and they went one and two on this road trip, which isn't the end of the world. So I think that's gonna do it for tonight. We'll be back with another live show on next Saturday. That'll be after the Oregon State game. We'll be talking Oregon, Oregon State. Um, And as always, you can check out the DMVR Buffs podcast five days a week in your podcast feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I think Ben is going to have something up on the website about this game uh, in a couple hours, so stay tuned to thedmbr.com. That's going to do it for tonight, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Oh, real quick, just for the uh, podcast listeners, um, DraftKings pick of the week, that's going to be the Eagles Sunday night football. Um, Jalen Hurts. We like Jalen Hurts here. It's going to be fun to watch at the very least, and I feel like that's a pretty good upset pick too. Uh, So Jalen Hurts, Eagles, pick of the week. Take that money line.